All right, greetings again this evening in Jesus' name. Thankful again that we can continue to look into the Word of God and learn from Him, learn about Him, and learn how to live the way He wants us to live um, here on this earth in 2022. <clears throat> We're going to look this evening at another character, a group of people, Mentioned in 48 verses in the Old Testament, according to what I discovered. Um, but we're going to start in 1 Samuel 15, story of Saul. 1 Samuel 15, we have the story of Saul. And I uh, want to look at that a little bit and go from there to get our lesson this evening. 1 Samuel 15. This evening we'd like to study somewhat about Amalek. And according to my markings in my Bible, they're the Amalekites. In some Bibles, it may be the Amalekites. But in my Bible, it's the Amalekites, so I'll, that's probably what I'll say tonight. Uh, same group of people. 1 Samuel 15 and verse 1. Samuel also said unto Saul, The Lord sent me to anoint thee to be king over his people, over Israel. Now therefore hearken thou unto the voice of the words of the Lord. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, I remember that which Amalek did to Israel, how he laid wait for him in the way when he came up from Egypt. Now go and smite Amalek and utterly destroy all that they have and spare them not, but slay both man and woman, infant and suckling, ox and sheep, camel and us. And Saul gathered the people together, numbered them in Shalem, 200,000 footmen and 10,000 men of Judah. And Saul came to a city of Amalek and laid wait in the valley. And Saul said unto the Kenites, Go, depart get you down from among the Amalekites, lest I destroy you with them, for ye showed kindness to all the children of Israel when they came up out of Egypt, so the Kenites departed from among the Amalekites. And Saul smote the Amalekites from Havilah until thou comest to Shur, that is over against Egypt. And he took Agag, the king of the Amalekites alive, utterly destroyed all the people with the edge of the sword. But Saul and the people spared Agag and the best of the sheep, and of the oxen, and of the fatlings, and the lambs, and all that was good, and he would not utterly destroy them, but everything that was vile and refused, they destroyed out of it. The story goes on, but I think we're going to stop right there for now. The question I have tonight, and I'd like for us to think about a little bit, is why the fierce anger of the Lord against Amalek? Why did God want Amalek utterly annihilated? I mean, down to the babies. He wanted everything of Amalek gone completely. Why? What's the point? <clears throat> I guess you will notice from my, by now, that I take quite a few lessons from the Old Testament. And this is another one that, a lesson that I see in the Old Testament, woven through the Old Testament. Uh, like I said, this, this name, this Amalek, appears in 48 different verses. We're going to look at quite a number of them this evening. Through the Old Testament, and sometimes you wonder why the story is there. What's the interesting story here? Generally, we focus on the idea that Saul was rejected because he did not obey completely the word of the Lord. He, he found some cattle there and took them back and, and sacrificed um, there. Two sacrifices, he said. And Samuel came along and reproved Saul. I just noticed today when I was reading the story again, I had no, never noticed before. After Saul was rejected, 
And Samuel gave him the message, you cannot be king anymore, someone else is going to be king. Samuel turned away to go, and Saul caught hold of his raiment, grabbed it, he must have grabbed it hard enough that the raiment tore. And Samuel said, God hath torn the kingdom from you. And Saul said, but please come back and serve the Lord with me one more time. We want to have a, honor me now in the presence of all these people. And so he did. Following that, Agag gets hewn to pieces. I'm wondering if Samuel would not have turned back to worship with Saul if Agag would have gotten killed. Because Saul has already let Agag, so to speak, go free. I just had to wonder about that. I don't know. Uh, it's maybe neither here nor there. But uh, I noticed that this afternoon when I was reading the story again, that that happened after, after this little ruckus between Samuel and Saul. That was afterwards that Samuel had hewed him to pieces. Anyway, back to the question of why God was so vehement in the destruction of Amalek. Why do you want to get, annihilate him? Why, he didn't want any children, not even any babies, not even any donkeys. Donkeys can't do you any harm. He didn't want anything left of Amalek whatsoever, completely just annihilate him altogether. Now why? Well, you have to go back in some of the history, and you will find... Um, I just noticed also this afternoon, that in verse 48, just look in your Bibles, verse 48, just before this, in chapter 14, Amalek is there. I hadn't noticed that before. Amalek is there just a little before and, and they've already had some conflicts with Amalek. This is not the first conflict with Amalek. It's not the first time they've had trouble with Amalek. <clears throat> We're going to go back and see what Amalek does. Turn now to Exodus 17, where Amalek, one of the first times, not the first time, but one of the first times in uh, Exodus 17. I don't know if I wrote down the first time that Amalek is mentioned. I think it's in Genesis. Hmm. I'm not sure now where it is. Uh, anymore where Amalek is first mentioned, but we're going to find some of them. But now at Exodus, <clears throat> Exodus 17, there's where Amalek comes on the scene in a rather aggressive manner, and this is one of the reasons why God told Saul in 1 Samuel 15, destroy them completely. We don't want Amalek around. Look what happens. Exodus 17, the famous story of Moses going on top of the mountain and lifting up his hands. As long as he held his hands up, uh, Israel prevailed. When he hand, let his hands down, Amalek prevailed. Verse 8, 17, 8. Exodus 17, verse 8. Then came Amalek and fought with Israel and Rephidim. And Moses said to Joshua, Choose us out men and go out, fight with Amalek tomorrow. Tomorrow I will stand on the top of the hill with the rod of God in my hand. So Joshua did as Moses had told him and fought with Amalek. Moses, Aaron, and Hur went to the top of the hill. And it came to pass, when Moses held up his hand, that Israel prevailed. And when he let down his hand, Amalek prevailed. But Moses' hands were heavy, and he took a stone and put it under him. And he sat there on <clears throat> Aaron and Hur stayed up his hands, one on the one side, other on the other side. And his hands were steady until the going down of the sun. A brother just told me, just a few minutes ago, that there was someone who had a problem in his life and he wanted victory. Here's the answer. Put your hands up. Put your hands up. If you've got problems, put your hands up. And if you can't keep your hands up by yourself, get somebody else to help you. Keep your hands up. That was the answer. Now, you get the picture here. Amalek is a picture of the flesh. 
We're going to look at that tonight and discover that a little more. But Amalek is a picture of the first person, the firstborn we talked about last night, uh, like between Cain and Abel and some of the others we mentioned last night. Amalek is a picture of the flesh. And the only way you can get victory over the flesh is keep your hands up. You have this fight. Now look at what he says here about the fight a little further on in verse 13. And Joshua discomfited, someone told me that word means put out of commission, discomfited Amalek and his people with the edge of the sword. And the Lord said to Moses, write this for a memorial in the book. Rehearse it in the ears of Joshua. For I will utterly put out the remembrance of Amalek from under heaven. That sounds like annihilation. Should have completely gotten rid of it. But look at the next verse. And Moses called, built an altar and called the name of it Jehovah Nissi, for he said, Because the Lord has sworn that the Lord will have war with Amalek from generation to generation. So obviously Amalek doesn't get annihilated. Every generation fights Amalek. From generation to generation, right down to 2022, Amalek, the fight with Amalek is still going on. The fight with Amalek is still here tonight. So we want to think about that this evening as we look at some of these ways that Amalek acts what Amalek does, how Amalek operates, <clears throat> what does he do? Here's the first one. Um, they came when Israel was just coming out of Egypt. This is the first fight they had. Uh, they've just gotten past, let's see, what was the last one? I think they just got past those wells of water where they, where they actually were refreshed at some wells. And now they haven't, they haven't even got to, to the Mount Sinai yet. They haven't got that far. And here Amalek comes along right early in their journey and tries to defeat Israel. Uh, Amalek is there trying to defeat. <clears throat> but of course there's victory. In this case there was victory. Moses had his hands up and there was victory and people of Israel were saved. But it was, it was the beginning of this fight. Now in Deuteronomy 25 it goes a little further. We find Amalek again. Here it says Amalek was what does it say? Discomfited or put out of commission, we might say, for a while. But in Deuteronomy chapter 25, we have him again. Hasn't really left him alone. Verse 17, Deuteronomy 25, 17. Remember what Amalek did unto thee by the way when you were come forth out of Egypt. How he met thee by the way and smote the hindmost of thee even all that were feeble, behind thee, when thou wast faint and weary. Where are the behind people at? Well, the behind people are behind. The behind people are on the back benches. That's where they are. When you find people on the back benches in churches that can't ever, ever, ever quite get up here up front, they just never, there we go, that's a little better, and they can't get up up front here. When, that, when that's the case, then Amalek is right there. Amalek is ready to pull them back. Amalek is ready to get a hold of them and take him out of the church, take him away from God. That's what Amalek does. Came along, caught all the weak and the sickly and those who were behind, and, and he feared not God, it says. Verse 19, Therefore it shall be, when the Lord thy God hath given thee rest from all the enemies round about in the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee for inheritance, but that's it, that thou shalt blot out the remembrance of Amalek from under heaven, thou shalt not forget it. Don't forget this. One of your jobs is to get rid of Amalek. Don't let him around. When you get in there, get rid of Amalek. Once you've got rest, once you're in a place where you can be at peace, get rid of Amalek. We don't want him around whatsoever. So what does Amalek do? Well, he causes trouble. He gets people, the weak and the sick, and the people who aren't maybe quite 
what they should be in their Christian life, Amalek picks them up and takes them out. That's what the flesh does to us. This, this body we have, that we have this fight all the time within us that has a tendency to pull us away. Amalek. Amalek is there. God wants destruction of Amalek. In fact, he prophesies. Here he says, he, what does it say? That thou shalt blot out the remembrance. And we have a prophet coming along. You know the prophet? Um, hmm, no, you don't. I can't, can't remember his name now. Um, in Numbers 24, what's the name of the, Balaam? Balaam the prophet. Balaam, in Numbers 24, comes along on the scene. And he finds Amalek around there too. And he makes a prophecy. Notice what Balaam says about prophecy, or about, about Amalek, pardon me, in 24. Numbers 24, we have Balaam saying this thing here in verse 20. Now, he, this is after Balaam has been there. He looked at Israel, and he says, um, God is not a man that he should lie. He said, God has blessed these people. I can't curse them. There's nothing I can do against them. As long as they're faithful to God, I can't touch them. Some of you, someone here is related to Miss Nancy Koblenz. Who was that? They said, I, that's my sister or my cousin or aunt or something. I'm not sure someone it was. Nancy Koblenz told us stories of people there in Belize. Um, sometimes people put curses on other people. And sometime in the conversation, there were some Christians who were afraid of what might have been a curse put on them by a witch doctor. They apparently do have power to do that. They, these witch doctors actually have power to put a curse on someone, make them sick or make them die or something like that. <clears throat> the question was asked of a witch doctor, can you put a curse on a Christian? And the witch doctor said no. How do you know? How do you know if the person is? The witch doctor said, when I see their image come up to give a curse, there's a lamp in their forehead, open Bible in their heart. I can't touch that person. That was the testimony from someplace there. And that's what Balaam says here. Balaam says that as long as he has not, this is 23, 21, he hath not beheld iniquity in Jacob, neither hath he seen perverseness in Israel. The Lord his God is with him, the shout of a king is among them. Verse 23, surely there is no enchantment against Jacob, neither is there any divination against Israel. According to this time shall be said of Jacob, what hath God wrought? Balaam later explained this to Balak, you cannot touch God's blessed people. The only way that you can get an advantage over them is if you get God's blessing off of them. If you get God's blessings, God's blessing off of them, then you can get them. But as long as they've got God's blessing, as long as, he's, as long as they're serving him and they're faithful to him, you can't touch them. It won't work. I can't curse them. It won't, nobody can curse them because God has blessed them and he's going to keep them. But let Amalek get in there a little bit. Let's just have some parties. Don't try to defeat him. Just call him over to the parties. Let's have a lot of fun. Let's just, uh, you know, let, let's be friends with him. And we'll get him. And that's what happened. According to Revelation, that's what happened. He invited him out to parties and destroyed. Eventually, they had a lot of Israel died. Anyway, Balaam says this in chapter 24 and verse 20. 
He's, now he's kind of blessed Israel. And then he, he sees Amalek out there someplace, way out there. And this is what he says. And when he looked on Amalek, he took up his parable and said, Amalek was the firstborn. Amalek was firstborn. We'll pick that up pretty soon. Amalek was the first of the nations. But his latter end shall be that he perish forever. Eventually, Amalek is going to be destroyed. Eventually, Amalek will have his part in the lake of fire. In the end, Amalek is going to be destroyed. No Amalek is going to make it to heaven. Prophesied 4,000 years ago, still true today. Where did Amalek come from? Uh, Let's see, Genesis 36, I think it is. I think is where the verse is. I don't have my reference right now. I think it's Genesis 36. I'll find it here. Um, I think. I will. Maybe. Genesis 36, verse 12. Genesis 36, verse 12 tells us where Amalek actually originated, where he came from. In Genesis 36, in verse 12, it tells you his ancestry. Genesis 36, verse 12. Um... And Timnah was concubine to Eliphaz, Esau's son, Jacob and Esau. Jacob was God's chosen, the secondborn. Esau was the firstborn, the one who was rejected by God. Esau's son now is, uh, Timnah was concubine to Eliphaz, Esau's son, and she bare to Eliphaz Amalek. That's where Amalek apparently started from, Esau. So Amalek is from Esau's line. From the fleshly line. Balaam says he was the first. Okay, he was first born. Esau was first born. How many of you were born once? Last night you were all born once. We're all born once. We all have a body. We all have this, this body that we're with that is earthly and tends to drag us down to the earth. We all have that. We all have this Amalek. And so this fight against Amalek is something that God said is going to go on from generation to generation. It's something that doesn't get over. We never get finished as long as we're alive in this earth, the fight never ceases. Israel, of course, being Jacob's line, Amalek being Esau's line, and there was this conflict between Israel and Amalek. So what does Amalek do? Let's look at New Testament for that. Um, Romans 8.13. We're going to come back to the Old Testament again, don't get worried, but Romans 8.13 tells us this about the flesh and it says if ye live after the flesh ye shall die but if ye through the spirit do mortify the deeds of the body ye shall live okay so the flesh and the deeds of the body seem to be uh, almost equal there this body flesh the old nature the way we actually were born came up with the, 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 the desire to do things uh, that please this, this body. Mortify them. Because if you don't, you're going to die. What does the flesh look like? Well, Galatians gives a good picture. Just turn over to let's see, the Galatians. Galatians 5 tells us, of course, the way it looks. We've, I think we looked at that the other night, but we'll just, we're going to run through it again tonight. Galatians chapter 5 and verse... 19, the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these, adultery, fornication, unclean lascivious, four sexual sins, four different kinds of immorality. Then verse 20, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulation, 
wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, all sorts of interpersonal difficulties. You can't get along with somebody. You fight somebody. Uh, those problems that there are between people, that's, that's another class of difficulties, the way that the flesh is manifest. Envyings, murders, drunkenness, and revelings, partings, all sorts of partings, and just the word in Spanish is desenfrenado, which means without breaks, no breaks. They're just free, just freewheeling. You don't stop anything, you just let it go. And that's the way the flesh is. And so this is the way the flesh is in our lives, and this is the way Amalek is. So Amalek is there trying to get us in the wrong track, trying to get us to go down that track, trying to get us away from what God wants us to do. And so these are the, some of the manifestations of the flesh, of the way that Amalek works, and the way that he tries to get people away from God and tries to get people to follow the wrong way. Second Corinthians 10 says that it goes further than just this list of things here. In 2 Corinthians 10, which is probably another level deeper than the actions of the flesh, but it's something that is, we mentioned the other night, in the Holy of Holies, that Holy of Holies is where the conflict actually starts within the Holy of Holies. It says in 2 Corinthians 10, verse 3, for though we walk in the flesh, we have a body. We do not war after the flesh. We're not actually uh, fighting physically, blood draining. We're not doing that. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations. Imaginations is where the problem starts. It starts here in our mind. We begin to have these imaginations, bad imaginations. Maybe it's just thinking something bad about somebody else. Maybe it's thinking immorally about somebody else. Maybe it's thinking vengeance towards somebody else. Maybe it's thinking um, jealousy of somebody else or stealing somebody else's things. Whatever it might be, but these imaginations come in. Satan puts them in. Amalek is there. That's where the fight is. The fight here is for the control of the mind. Satan wants us to listen to him. But he, and that's what Paul says here, that our fight is not against um, the flesh. Good for us to remember that. Sometimes we get in conflicts with people. He tells us in First no, Ephesians chapter 6, uh, we wrestle not against flesh and blood. I think it was one of the brothers from here. Maybe it was from Brother Joe, I think. Years ago, was down in Belize, and he brought this to our attention. The battle is not against flesh and blood. What we see is flesh and blood. We see someone else do something against me or against one of my friends. And my flesh gets angry at that person. Someone says something about me, and I hear it after a long time, and I react in anger against that person. The Bible says our, our fight really is not with people. We see it as fights with people. We've got people we can't get along with. I can't get along with that brother, that sister, that pastor, that bishop, that mom, whatever. Uh, no, no. Our problem is not with flesh and blood. 
The fight's not flesh and blood. The fight is against another level up here. The fight is another level higher or deeper, whatever you want to call it. The fight is against principalities and powers. It's against Amalek. It's against Satan. Satan is the one who's trying to get me off track. And he puts somebody in my path to try to get me off track. We want to hide behind trees. Satan hides behind trees, I guess, and he makes us want to hide behind trees. And we try to blame everybody else, blame this person, blame that person. I can't do it because this and because that one. All kind of blame stories we have. Actually, it's in here, Amalek, and I am listening to Amalek. And so Amalek gets the attention off of Amalek, and he gets me to think that person, if that person were not here, if that person would leave, I'd be all right. Or whatever this case may be. That's not the problem. The problem is here. The problem is there's a spiritual warfare going on. And Satan wants to get control of our minds and control of those things that um, make us do what we do sometimes. And that's, what, that's where the conflict is for us today. <clears throat> Satan also works on simply just driving us apart. I suppose for most of you, the COVID situation is pretty well passed. In Belize, we're still facing some of the results. There are still some people who say it's just not safe to get to church. If there's too many people too close, we're not going to go. And it's been this way for like six months or up to a year, and people get used to staying at home looking at their screens or maybe just sleeping in bed, maybe having an old service out of the Bible, maybe a little bit of something, maybe nothing, maybe he's going to plantation because you can't get together. The rule is don't get together. You, you can't have church. That was the rule for quite a while. No churches. They came to, the police came one time to our little gathering and said, better go home. And there were only 13 of us there. I mean, we, we, had, we had intentionally divided into small groups, and, and, and so we thought we were probably all right. I think the 13 included children. Nope, have to go home. We were just about to leave. Another group was coming, so everybody go home. Um, thankfully, that has changed, and today we were able to get together. But it has had its effect. We talk about sticks, taking sticks out of a fire and leaving them, they start to get cold. Same thing is true with magnets. You ever play with magnets? You know that if you have two magnets here and you get them close enough, they'll just, you can't really keep them apart. But the further apart they get, the less attraction they have. And that's what happens to us as Christians. We have a tendency to just lose our attraction for each other and we have a tendency to, to cool off. And Satan knows that. And so he, he made hay out of the COVID thing. It caused problems in the churches because of the opportunity to make everybody stay home. Amalek is very shrewd. I would encourage you young people to take a picture of yourself and your family. Put it someplace where it's safe and after 10 years look at it see what has happened I know you'll be older but what else after 20 years take it out and look again what has happened after 30 years try it one more time and after 40 try it again 
what direction are we going? What's happening? What's happening to our suit coats, to our veilings, to our dresses, to what happens? Now, these are all externals, but you can see them in a picture, and you can see a progression. Let's not allow that to happen. That's the way Amalek works, little by little by little by little, pulling us apart, cooling us off, making us accept things that we formerly would not have accepted. Back in 1 Samuel 15, <clears throat> Saul says this, the people spared Agag, the best of the sheep, of the oxen, fatlings, and the lambs, and all that was, what? Good. All that was good. Saul found good in Amalek. God says, annihilate Amalek. There's nothing there that is good. Saul found good in Amalek. And it destroyed Saul. If we find good in Amalek, if we find good in the world, if we find some pretty things out there, some things that are forbidden to us, some things we should not be looking at, listening to, or whatever it happens to be, and we find good out there and we kind of get attracted over that way, we're on dangerous ground. Saul found some good in Amalek. God didn't find anything good there, but Saul did. And God was not interested in what Amalek had or any offerings from there. Um, Offerings don't do any good either. It tells in verse 22, Hath the Lord as great a light and burnt offerings and sacrifices in obedience? No. Well, I'll say ten prayers tonight. In fact, I'm going to read the whole Bible through this year. In fact, uh, I'm going to uh, lead songs, and I'm going to go on a missionary trip, and I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to, I don't know what. So I, I, I guess it's all right if I do a, a few things off the side here, because I'm doing so many good things, it will outweigh it. No, that doesn't work. Sacrifice and offerings. Don't make up for disobedience. Amalek is not going to give up there, and God doesn't see anything good in Amalek. <clears throat> Romans 7.18 says, I know that in my body, that is in my, did he say my flesh? Does he use that word there? Dwelleth no good thing. Uh, where do they say those words? Verse 18, For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, in my Amalek, dwelleth no good thing. To will is present with me. I, my, my one ear says, yes, the will is there, but how to perform it, I find not. Amalek's got a hold of me. And Amalek just pulls me down, even though I want to do what I should. <clears throat> we tend to reserve a few corners for ourselves and maybe keep you know a few things for ourselves and like we talked about last night in the holy of holies we maybe have a few things down there that we just kind of like to keep there and we don't quite want to give up Amalek Amalek is there <clears throat> we find Amalek again in Judges 3.13 pops his head up again in this case Eglon the very fat king has united with Amalek, and they come over to fight against Israel. And you know the story there, and Ehud 
takes the dagger, left-handed, and goes down and kills Eglon. So that was the defeat of Amalek again, that unity of Amalek again. And not too long later, in chapter 5 and verse 14, Deborah sings a song. You remember the story of Deborah and um, Jephthah? How they, Barak, pardon me, how they overcame the enemies there. Actually, it became a a victory for a woman in that case. Um, Was it Jaila? I forget what her name was. Uh, Killed this. Can someone tell me his name? Sisera, huh? Killed Sisera. I think it was Sisera. In chapter 514, so Deborah in her song says, Amalek. We destroyed Amalek. So the fight is against Amalek again in Judges. Chapter 6, Judges 6. Who's there? Gideon. Gideon fights Amalek again. They keep popping up. They just keep popping up every 40 years. (laughs) Next generation, see? Another 40 years. Here's Gideon, and he has to fight Amalek. He says, Amalek lay along the like grasshoppers. Well, that was Amalek when Gideon and his 300 men went and routed them. Chapter 10, verse 12, Jephthah, again, fighting Amalek. Just, they just keep popping up. Here he is again. And that's the way Amalek is. You might think you've gotten victory over your difficulty or your problem or whatever it is, and all of a sudden when you're not quite on your toes, there's Amalek again. He pops up again, and, and you end up doing something. He said, no, I'm not going to do that anymore. That's what happens. Amalek is there. Mm. What's the final thrust of Amalek? Turn now to 2 Samuel 1. 2 Samuel 1 and see what happens. 2 Samuel 1, Amalek shows up again. Saul has allowed Amalek to get away. Saul did not destroy Amalek. Saul Saul found some good in Amalek. Saul Saul thought maybe there was something wonderful or helpful, or at least it was pretty and nice there. 2 Samuel chapter 1 and verse 2. It came to pass on the third day that, behold, a man came out of the camp from Saul with his clothes rent and earth upon his head. And so it was, when he came to David, he fell to the earth and did obeisance. And David said to him, From whence comest thou? And he said, Out of the camp of Israel am I escaped. And David said unto him, How went the matter? I pray thee, tell me. And he answered, The people are fled from the battle, and many of the people also are fallen and dead, and Saul also, and Jonathan his son are dead also. And David said to the young man that told him, How knowest thou that Saul and Jonathan his son be dead? And the young man told him, said, As I happened by chance upon Mount Gilboa, behold, Saul leaned upon his spear, and lo, the chariots and horsemen followed hard after him. And when he looked behind him, he saw me, and called unto me, and I answered, Here am I. And he said unto me, Who art thou? And I answered him, I am an Amalekite. The people you were supposed to destroy back there 25 years ago, I am an Amalekite. He said to me, again, stand, I pray thee, upon me and slay me, for anguish has come upon me, because my life is yet whole in me. So I stood upon him and slew him, because I was sure he could not live after he was down. And I took the crown on his head and the bracelet and so on and brought him here. And then David took hold of his clothes, rent them, and likewise all the men there that were with him. Verse 13, And David said unto the young man that told him, Whence art thou? And he answered, I am the son of a stranger, an Amalekite. And David said unto him, How wast thou not afraid to stretch forth thine hand to destroy the Lord's anointed? And David called one of the young men and said, Go near and fall upon him. And he smote him that he died. Amalek, in the end, kills you. 
you give Amalek a chance. You don't destroy everything that Amalek has. You let Amalek have a, have a little place in your heart. Allow a few things in there that shouldn't be in there. In the end, Amalek kills you. That's what happened to Saul. Amalek, in the end, killed Saul. Interesting. Turn back a few chapters. In, see if I can find it here. Um, verse, chapter 30. Chapter 30, we've got somebody else fighting Amalek. This is David. David's fighting Amalek as well. Not only is Saul in front, uh, confronting Amalek, David is too. In this battle where Saul and the Philistine, Philistines are fighting and Saul is, is killed, David has gone up there with the Philistines. And they finally told him, go back home. You can't fight with us. So, so David went back home. When he got back home, chapter 30, verse 1, it came to pass when David and his men were come to Ziklag on the third day that the Amalekites had invaded the south in Ziklag, smitten Ziklag, burned it with fire, taken the women captive, all that were therein, slew not any, either great or small, but carried them away and went on their way. Oh, no. Now Amalek's after David. Amalek is, while David was away following the Philistines, they sent him back, and when he comes back home, his wives, his children, his animals, his friends' wives, all the people, all gone. The city's burned. Amalek. Amalek's been here. Mm. So they go chasing. Mm. Um, verse 11, they found an Egyptian in the field and brought him to David. He gave him bread, and he did eat, and he gave him a piece of water, and so on. And he helped them. Verse 13, David said to him, To whom belongest thou, and whence art thou? And he said, I am a young man of Egypt, servant to an Amalekite. And my master left me because three days gone I fell sick. And so David said, Can you take me down there? Can you show me the people? He said, I'll go, but don't turn me over to them. Don't, turn, don't give me back to Amalek, but I'll take you there. And so they went. And verse two, 16, And when he brought them, him down, behold, they were spread upon spread abroad upon all the earth, eating and drinking and dancing because of all the great spoil they had taken out of the land of the Philistines and out of the land of Judah. And David smote them from the twilight even until the evening of the next day. There escaped not a man of them save 400 young men which rode upon camels and fled. And I guess they're the ones that are around today because we still have Amalekites today. They're still, Amalek is still here. Amalek is still trying to destroy God's work and trying to cause problems in my life, in your life. That's the way Amalek is. God has this fight with Amalek. One more mention. Esther, chapter 3. Esther, chapter 3. You know the story of Esther real well. Look at verse, chapter 3 and verse 1. Interesting comment added here in this conflict between Haman and Mordecai. Haman wants to get rid of the Jews. Haman hates the Jews. He wants to get rid of them. He, he hated Mordecai because Mordecai wouldn't bow and he found out that Mordecai was a Jew and so Haman said, I'm going to destroy Mordecai and the whole batch of I'm going to get rid of all these people. That's what Haman said. Chapter 3, verse 1. After these things did Ahasuerus promote Haman, the son of Hamadatha, the Agagite. Oh, descendant of Agag. Descendant of Agag. Amalek is still after Israel. 
Amalek is still out to destroy. Thankfully, in this case, again, God intervened, and God's people, through the power of prayer and fasting, destroyed Amalek again, Agag, in this case, Haman, and got the victory. God is able to help us to overcome. John 17, verse 2. In conclusion, this fight against the flesh, this difficulty we have, according to Jesus, in John 17 and verse 2, there is victory, there is a way out, and there is help for us if we're held fast by Satan, if we're held fast by Amalek, if, if, we, if we become angry when we, when we don't want to become angry, if we say some words we weren't never going to say again, if we go someplace we thought we'd never go again, Amalek is still around. Chapter 17, John 17, and verse 2, this wonderful words of Jesus, as thou hast given him power over all Amalek, that he should give eternal life to as many as thou hast given him. Jesus is able to help us overcome Amalek. And only Jesus. He's the one who can help us. That's why Moses had his hands up to gain the victory over Amalek. Because that's where the help comes from. Only Jesus can help us to overcome Amalek. And he's just as powerful today as he was 4,000 years ago. In Moses' time, God is able to help us to overcome if we keep our hands up and he will give us the victory. Let's buy it for prayer. Our Father, again this night, we thank you for uh, these pictures that you give to us, even of our hearts and of our lives and how the conflict is. We ask that you will bless each person here tonight that as we meditate on our lives and analyze too where Amalek wants to get a hold of us and pull us back into the way of the world, back into the way of evil, that you will help us to come to you, keep our hands up to you, and allow you to help us to have the victory to get rid of Amalek, because you have sworn that Amalek will not enter into the heaven. So help us to be able to be faithful to you, guide us in our lives, be with us as we continue in our study here in Bible school. Bless each one. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.